You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. going on college football fans welcome in to the sports objective you're watching the inside slant and we're very excited right now to be joined by the colorado buffaloes beat writer for buff zone as well as the daily camera uh, in boulder and that is brian howe brian we appreciate your time this afternoon you bet thanks for having me no doubt i mean it's such a story throughout college football going into the season you know throughout the throughout the off season and now Throughout the first month of the season, Colorado three and two. Um, you, you start the year with that tremendous win down at TCU, who played in the national championship game a year ago. Uh, you, you have suffered a couple L's the last two weeks, but um, not a bad performance against number eight USC. And uh, you know, just talk about um, first of all, you know, your coverage of the program. You know, how long have you been covering Colorado? And then we'll dive into the uh, Coach Prime effect, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, grew up in Colorado, so you know, was a Buff fan growing up as a kid. And they actually won the national title when I was a, a young high school kid. I think I was a, a freshman the year they won it, or a sophomore in high school when they won it. So, and this is my 14th year covering the Buffs. So I've seen a lot of uh, bad football, not not as much good football as I want to see. But uh, this year has certainly been different than anything I've ever covered. No doubt, it has been that, and uh, you know, I. You talk about uh, those memories of 1990. Um, you know, a guy who was on that staff um, we're very familiar with at East Carolina, and Steve Logan. Uh, he was on Coach McCartney's staff, and I definitely, I guess, I was about nine years old at the time. Um, definitely had those memories of the the fifth down at Missouri, and uh, some of those um, tremendous plays in that 1990 season. And uh, it was great to see, you know, Coach Prime. You know, as you would expect, uh, having Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook, and a lot of those familiar faces to the Colorado program back into the fold and uh, a whole lot more as far as celebrities. But, um, you know, I love this hire from the get-go. Uh, sure, I mean, like any hire, it's a gamble. But at the same time, you know, I, ju I just told folks, uh, you know, success, no matter whether it's coaching or otherwise, uh, has seemed to uh, follow Deion Sanders and um, – you know, what, what's your take on going back to when he was hired and uh, what he's been able to do thus far? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't – when the rumors were first uh, starting, I mean, when, actually, they weren't even rumors. It was when his name was first mentioned, I thought there's no chance he's coming to Colorado. I thought if he left Jackson, he was probably going to have other Power 5 offers, and why would he come to Colorado um, over some of those because they were – they were the worst power five team in the country, but um, as it turns out, he came here and uh, it would, it's been uh, wild ever since. I mean, the initial press conference was, uh, you know, it was, it was like a party uh, initially. And it felt like I was at the, on the set of a, a sitcom because every time he said something funny, uh, this whole room of alumni and boosters was laughing. And, you know, so it was just this, this crazy, uh, you know, surreal experience covering even that press conference. But then ever since then, it's just been, you know, a lot of celebrities and, you know, you mentioned some of those old buffs, but this last week as uh, USC's there, you know, on the sidelines before the game, you're seeing, 
you know, a lot of musicians that I'm, I'm too old to know who they are, but you know, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, you know, Warren Sapp, Terrell Owens, you know, guys like that are on the sidelines. And so uh, it, it's been quite the experience covering this program, but you know, aside from all of that, he's a good football coach and they've got a good foundation of a football team uh, beyond all the glitz and glamor that we all see. And that's the thing. Um, that's one of the things having, you know, heard so many uh, of his interviews and just, um, you know, seeing even more now, you know, with the, the coverage that his media team, you know, not only with the university, but then, you know, reach the people media. Um, and then, you know, his, uh, the pregame show and, um, you know, Dion Jr. and everything he does, just so much coverage. And you, you hear, I think I heard in the last couple of weeks, what apparel sales for Colorado were, were up seven to 800 um, percent. I mentioned uh, five of the, the or all five games have been in the top eight, uh, averaging eight and a half million viewers per game. Um, I think um, you know, just some of these num- numbers are, are mind boggling. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, last year, their top game as far as viewership was like one and a quarter million. It was the opener against TCU. And uh, um, I don't think the entire season uh, got even seven million. And their lowest game was this last week against uh, USC, seven and a quarter million. So uh, that was probably more than they got the entire 12 game season last year. So that's pretty insane. And then you throw in the fact that uh, you know, ticket sales this is the first time they've ever sold out the entire season of tickets. And so uh, they've played in front of a sellout crowd at every game so far, even the two on the road. So um, it's crazy to see what's happening. And like you said, the glimpse behind the scenes, uh, and I, it's really more than a glimpse. Um, it's unlike, yes, you have, you know, your various documentaries and, and coverage that you see, uh, but it's unlike what most programs or probably any programs are doing and you hear different coaches that have been at other big time programs saying, uh, for instance, Charles Kelly um, that had been at Alabama and uh, Florida state, et cetera. I'm uh, just saying that, you know, it took some getting used to uh, seeing a camera at practice all the time, uh, something that you wouldn't see at those other programs, but um, they got used to it and they, they know they're not going to put out uh, what doesn't need to be seen and uh, it's really something that has, you know, driven those numbers up to, to what they are. Obviously, it had been well viewed anyway. But uh, when when you're getting millions and millions of views on YouTube, uh, that's going to to drive up your viewership on on Fox, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I mean, every day at practice in, in the fall, uh, I mean, we the media, we weren't allowed to watch any practice. But, um, you know, every day there'd be, you know, a 20 or 30 minute video put up on well-off media, which is run by Deion Sanders Jr. Uh, there'd be stuff by Reach the People and by the pregame show. And so you'd come home every day uh, you know, and watch those videos just to see practice. And so you know, I was watching as much practice as the fans uh, because that's all we got to see. Uh, but it, so it, it's crazy seeing that. Uh, you know, and there's also the Amazon, uh, you know, documentary crew is around this team all the time. So they're working on the prime documentary for the season. So it's more than just even, uh, those, those few guys that are filming for YouTube. Uh, it's the, the prime effect, you know, on Amazon. And then you have all the national media that's here as well, that um, has never really been out here before. So, um, it, it, it's really crazy how many people are covering this program now. And what you say, um, the, as far as the substance of Deion Sanders and you see the glitz and, and glamour. Um, but 
if you really listen to to his messages to the Buffaloes and and to others, I know recently he spoke to to the Philadelphia 76ers uh, who were you know training there for a week or week and a half out there um, getting the the effect um, you know in in the thin air, etc. Uh, so. Talk a little bit more about that substance, and because, and that's what's I think a lot of people just because of the, the Deion Sanders and Coach Prime and I ain't hard to find. Uh, I think they probably underestimated, um, you know, how good of a coach and how good of a CEO of that program he truly is. Yeah, you know, it goes back to you know his time at Jackson, even before that. But you know, I um, had a chance to spend a couple of days around the Jackson State program. Uh, right before the Celebration Bowl, it was after Dion was hired. I went down there, and uh, they gave me a little access uh, to that program. And there were so many people there that talked about what he meant to them. And, and I'm talking about people, not just players, but there were a couple of girls that were student trainers there that are now at Colorado. Um, they followed him here because uh, he meant so much to them. And um, you know, the equipment manager that you know, was a senior and graduating, and moving on, and you know, people like that, the impact that he's had on. And all of them, and you know, you mentioned the 76ers. Uh, you know, Dion brought you know several of the the men's basketball players uh, to join him for that dinner with the 76ers because he knew that would be an impactful thing for them. Um, he's his his daughter is a walk-in for the women's basketball team, and so um, he's made an impact for them as far as um, he'll meet with their recruits uh, and and just kind of meet with them and talk to them a little bit. So um, he's you know, making an impact on a lot of different sports. So uh, it's not just football and it's, it's really fun to see. And he's really the entire university has embraced him. Throughout this first several months of his tenure. And then as far as on the field on just a month plus now with five games, you know, it's hard to put a price tag. I mean, I think what the Colorado um, or the university of Colorado is paying coach prime is at 5.7 or $5.8 million per year. Uh, but, um, everything that he's already done for that program, like you said. Um, and I know the roster has been completely transformed. What about 70 new players or something to that effect, but um, going from being the worst team and, you know, getting beat by what about 25 to 30 points a game to being the competitive outfit that they now are, it's been uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, to start three and O, this is a team that the over under in Vegas was three and a half. So you start three and O and uh, two of those wins were, were probably ones that people didn't have for them, you know, against TCU and Nebraska, uh, but Nebraska is not very good. So, um, <laughs> you know, that, that was a big win for them, but so was TCU. And then, you know, the USC game, I mean, they, f- they fell behind big, but they, they rallied and made it a game and only lost by seven uh, to the number eight team in the country. And so uh, they've really turned a lot of heads. And um, outside of Oregon, they've, they've been fairly impressive in every game. As you take a look at these offensive numbers on Shadour, I think one of the things that's been most impressive to me about Shadour, and I understand that, that some of the sacks that – that he's suffered has been because he's held the ball too long. Uh, he, you know, his coach primes talked about that, but uh, to complete right at 75% of your passes for nearly 1800 yards, when you've suffered 25 sacks in five games, including 22 in the, in the first four, um, that, that's been remarkable. 15 touchdowns, two picks. Yeah. His numbers are, are really good. And um, the crazy thing is, is that, uh, he he talked to us uh, earlier this week and said he's just now settling into this offense and uh, feels like the offense as a whole is just starting to settle in. So um, he's done a lot of that work while 
learning a new offense. I mean, this is his third year of college football and his third new offense. So um, he's still adjusting and, and getting acclimated to an offense and to some of those weapons. And, you know, you look at guys like Omarion Miller the other day had a huge day against USC. Well, he hadn't caught a pass before uh, Saturday. So uh, they've got new weapons that they haven't even, you know, really unveiled yet. And it's kind of new guys that he's bringing in that, uh, you know, he's adjusting to them and they're adjusting to him, yet they're still putting up some good numbers. Weaver and Horn have made a lot of plays. Um, uh, also Harrison and then um, and Edwards. But um, obviously Travis Hunter earned a lot of headlines. You know, he's so highly regarded coming out of high school. Coach Prime lures him to Jackson State. And um, in his first couple games as a buff, 16 catches, 213 yards, the big pick on the goal line um, there as TCU was going in for, I think, what would have been the go-ahead score. So uh, what are you hearing about Travis? I, I want to say that I heard Coach Prime say that he may be back uh, the end of the month, maybe after that open date. Yeah, you know, Travis obviously wants to be back now. And you, you see him walk around, he looks just fine. But it's an internal injury uh, with the with the uh, liver. Uh, so he's got to get you know, just kind of wait for that to heal. Uh, Coach Prime told us this week that um, he actually said, I hope he's out until – um, after the bye week because he wants him to just make sure he's totally healed. They got this a game this week. They got one next week, and then they have a bye. So uh, the, the first game after the bye would be um, October 28th, I believe, um, at UCLA. So that's where I'm targeting uh, seeing Travis Hunter again on the field. A couple more things for you. Um, describe, you know, before we talk about um, the remaining schedule that you just referenced, what it's been like uh, – you know, in these last few months, just there, you know, after a one and 11 season and just all the expectations of the coach prime era beginning and then the way in which it began. And I was looking at, at um, some of the ticket apps today for tickets on the secondary market for the remaining home games. And those tickets are going for anywhere from $500 to as much as $1,100, which is just mind-blowing uh, considering the program's uh, recent past. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, there were literally uh, athletic department um, people giving away tickets in previous years uh, in the days before the game just so people could, could come and fill the stands. So that's not happening this year, of course. And uh, the expectations are they're definitely higher, but I think that a lot of fans are realistic as to you know what this team is in year one. Um, I think that you know the Oregon game kind of uh, you know was humbling for them in some ways that kind of showed them all right. There's a lot of work to be done, uh, and really the first half of the USC game was the same way. Uh, so I think that they're realistic and understand that a bowl game would still be a really good season. Uh, that's just six and six, but that's a huge improvement from last year. Taking a look at that upcoming schedule this week, obviously at Arizona State. And then you have Stanford, a Friday night game uh, there at Folsom. And then you go to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA following an open date. Uh, and then uh, in the month of November, uh, a challenging slate um, with Oregon State coming to Folsom. Then you have Arizona, which is certainly a um, one of those games that you, you like to bust chances. Uh, you, you go to Wazoo, uh, that that will be an interesting one. See what kind of weather you get uh, with that passing attack there at Martin Stadium, and then uh, you you I believe go to Utah to conclude the season. Yep. Yeah, so it, it's a tough couple of games. I mean, if they're going to be in a bowl game, I think they they need to get to that six win mark before those last two 
um, at Wazoo and at Utah. Not that they can't get them, but uh, I think that'd be tough if you're needing that sixth win on that road swing there. Um, it'd be good if they can get that then. I mean, I think they'll get the next two, and uh, that would put them at five and two. And then if you can get an Arizona and then pick off you know, a UCLA or Oregon State, maybe you're sitting there at seven and three or whatever that would be going into the Wazoo, Utah trip. And and then maybe you steal one there. I, I, I do think their ceiling is probably about eight and four, uh, seven and five, but uh, they're capable of beating everybody else on the schedule. And especially, you know, like Utah, if Cameron Rising is not healthy, if he's still not playing, uh, then they certainly have a shot there. And uh, Washington State, you never know. They've they've always played poorly out there, but uh, this is a different CU team, and so I give them a shot. Right. Yeah, the games against the Sun Devils, uh, the Cardinal, and then also uh, Arizona. I think those are those are the three um, that you you really need to to get. Uh, yep. Like you're saying, to to meet those six or seven wins. But um, you know, taking a look at the Pac-12 at large. It's a shame this conference is going away. Um, you know, at least to me, as a, a college football, you know, traditionalist who just who loves the the way things have always been. Uh, obviously, the Buffaloes moving back to the Big Twelve. Uh, several programs, you know, moving on to the Big Ten, and then also a couple to the ACC. But uh, looking at this league this year, uh, six teams currently ranked, uh, led by Washington, Oregon, and USC. Yeah, the league is looking really good right now, and we'll see. Uh, this league is, uh, you know, notorious for kind of cannibal cannibalizing itself throughout the season, and there's still a lot of season left for that to happen. So, so we'll see. You know, Oregon looks good, uh, but they always seem to lose a game they shouldn't lose. Uh, so we'll see if that happens or if they're able to get through that that hump this year. You know, USC um, is very good, but their defense is not, and so um, I'm wondering if there's a game where that defense costs them a, a victory and and maybe a spot in the playoff as well. And then Washington, they might be the most solid team in the conference. And, you know, I think Utah or uh, Oregon and, and USC get the most uh, publicity, but uh, Washington might be the best team this year. And then you can never really count out Utah, especially if Cam Rising comes back. And so those four teams are legit um, top 15 you know, top 10 caliber teams. And then, you know, from there, Washington State's a nice team that uh, could surprise people. And Oregon State's kind of that dark horse to me for that conference title. Yeah, um, certainly. Um, I was very intrigued to see how that would go with DJU uh, transferring there from Clemson. And uh, obviously it's going very well thus far. A nice change of scenery for him, much like Bo Nix uh, moving to Oregon from Auburn. And, um, and yeah, as you, as you take a look at, this race, it's, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. And uh, I'm like you. Uh, I think some folks, I was watching College Game Day last weekend, uh, and you know, some would certainly mention uh, Penix and the Huskies, but a lot of folks were saying USC. I, I, I think um, some folks are um, definitely sleeping on, on Washington. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that's the team that, um, like I said, is probably the most solid. I mean, USC's got some flaws in that defense, and you know, um, Oregon's pretty solid as well, uh, but they do have that, like I said, that history of of slipping up a, at a time when they shouldn't, and so they've got to get through that. But I do think that uh, Washington, to me, is just uh, that's kind of that rock steady team that you look at and say, yeah, you expect them to win, you know, most of their games, and you kind of know what you're going to get out of Washington. They played a little bit too, you know, closer than I expected last week against Arizona, but uh, that's a team that you pretty much expect uh, to go out there and and win every week. And after USC allowed 28 at, at um, or excuse me, Arizona State, 
uh, the previous week. Um, certainly, Fresno State's a very good football team, but um, the Sun Devils have been shut out by Fresno State. And then just some of the tackling or lack of that I saw with USC, that did not uh, shock me at all that, that Colorado lit them up, um, what, between 550 and 600 yards of offense. Yeah, yeah, it was a, their most prolific offensive day of the year, and it came late, but they still uh, made a run at it and got within a touchdown and had a shot to win that football game. And uh, yeah, you know, USC, um, they've got some good individual players on that defense, uh, but as a collective, that's just not a good defense right now. And so that's got to worry SC fans as they look at their team as as a potential playoff team. I mean, they're going to have to outscore teams, which they can do, uh, but they're going to have to probably rely on that offense. Well, Brian, we really appreciate the time and spending 20 minutes with us this afternoon talking about Colorado and the Pac-12. Um, before we let you run, you know, go ahead and plug Buff Zone and also um, the Boulder Daily Camera. Yeah, you can catch out all, catch all my stuff, uh, you know, at buffzone.com, which is the Boulder Daily Camera's uh, site for CU uh, football. Uh, so buffzone.com, and then you know, my Twitter is uh, at, or I guess X now <laughs> at Brian Howell 33. Again, really appreciate the visit, and we'd love to have you back later on in the season. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Take care. We'll go now from uh, talking Colorado in the Pac-12 to talking a little SEC football closer to home, and that is uh, we're joined by Brent Beard from the Second Helping Podcast. Uh, he's a co-host there, also a Heisman voter for, for a long time, and um, he's on a whole lot of other shows throughout the southeast throughout college football season brent welcome back in bubba nice to be with you we are getting to an important time with the uh, uh sec man it's been an unbelievable um so far how uh, things have gone uh ample surprises within the league uh i mean with missouri and kentucky disappointments uh i, I guess you would say lsu is uh, I think it's too early to call Florida a disappointment, but uh, they really struggled uh, in their loss last week to Kentucky. So it, it's as I tell you, it's as exciting of a uh, SEC right now as we've seen in quite a while. No doubt, and uh, you take a look, um, you know, or going into this season, uh, you know, who would have thought? Or yes, you had the coach prime effect, and you, you knew. Um, Lincoln Riley would do good things with Southern Cal and obviously Bo Nix back at Oregon and what Coach Lanning has going on there. But never did I think I was going to be hearing so much about the Pac-12 versus the SEC. And um, you know, a lot of football yet to be played. But let's take a look at Georgia. Uh, Georgia's 5-0. Kentucky's 5-0. They meet between the hedges this weekend. Uh, obviously, the Bulldogs have dominated this series. The last time Kentucky won was in 2009 at uh, Sanford Stadium there in Athens. So uh, last week, you just referenced Florida and how it's definitely too early to press the panic button and jump the gun on Billy Napier. But um, Kentucky really dominated the Gators last week at Kroger Field, 329 rushing yards. Well, Florida would just – couldn't do anything with Ray Davis, could they, Bubba? It would just uh, – I mean, listen, there was a play where Florida had uh, 13 men on the field, believe it or not, uh, at the goal line, and they still couldn't stop Ray Davis. So, uh, really a, a poor effort 
by the Gators. They weren't ready to play. They weren't intense uh, at all. Uh, and the Gator defense led by Austin Armstrong, the 29-year-old out of um, Alabama and Southern Miss, they really were going well until that game. And then you, you get to that game and you've got a problem to where um, the more physical team won. We thought at the beginning of the year that whoever Florida played and, the more, and, and that were more physical than they were, they would win. And Utah was, and so was Kentucky. Now, Florida's got a chance to still have a pretty good season. They'll beat Vandy, I believe. And then they've got South Carolina next week in what will be a, uh, I think, a pivotal, another one of those 50-50 games um, that they can win it or they can lose it uh, before they come here and play Georgia and Jacksonville. So, uh, I mean, the Gators can still turn this around. Some fans are, are pretty miffed at uh, Napier. But, Bobby, here's the reality. Uh, Napier's not going anywhere. Uh, it, they have had uh, multiple coaches in the last two decades, and they're not going to get anything done by firing Napier. They've got to give him some time. Dan Mullen did very little uh, to leave in the cupboard uh, for Napier to use. That's not saying that the Gator coaches can't do a better job because they can. Um, and frankly, Billy Napier needs to hire him a offense coordinator at the end of the year and get him a special teams coach. And I think that would be important to be able to do both. So, uh, but, but, but at this point, uh, like I say, that they'll beat Vanderbilt um, and I think be able to hopefully be at salvage a season because if they go six and six or seven and five with the recruiting class coming in, I think they've got some real potential. I agree. Uh, certainly seems as though they've done well in the recruiting trail. Um, now, it's, you know, can they have enough success? You know, could some of those kids and young men see, hey, uh, things may not be going well and decide to uh, head elsewhere? Uh, we shall see. But um, taking a look at, a little bit more at Kentucky in this matchup with Georgia, Georgia, Five and zero, and you know they're outscoring their opponents forty-eight to thirteen. But at the same time, you know you've heard a lot about perhaps the lack of consistency, not playing a complete game in uh, the majority of their games thus far. So uh, you know, what, what's your take on the Bulldogs who um, had to pull it out in the South oldest rivalry against Auburn? You know, they're they're late. I uh, have a chance to speak to the Jacksonville Bulldog Club tomorrow night, <laughs> so. I was I, if they, if Auburn had won, it'd be a wake uh, instead of a club meeting, probably. Uh, but it wasn't, and they and they were able to to, to hang on. Uh, Georgia Brock Bowers bailed Georgia out. Carson Beck is from Jacksonville, Bubba. Uh, their quarterback, so we know a little bit more about him. We followed him for years, and he's bided his turn. He's done pretty well. But listen, going into the. Uh, Auburn game, he thrown for 1,184 yards. Uh, and the only two quarterbacks in Georgia history uh, uh, to, to be able to go above that was Stetson Bennett and Aaron Murray. Uh, but I talked to a Georgia beat writer about this other night. He made a really good point. He said their problem is they've lost like 15 players each year over the last two years of the NFL, and they're really hard to replace. 
all in all. So, uh, but uh, this is not the same Georgia as we saw last year. Their rush defense is struggling. We saw that against the Auburn and especially against the Auburn quarterbacks. They really struggle against the zone read. But as good teams do, they pick themselves off the mat and were able to win the game again with the help of Bowers. And listen, how Bowers does not zoom up the list for the Heisman Trophy is beyond me. My goodness, how good he is and how he can get separation is really unbelievable. Georgia's had a lot of injuries. Kendall Milton for is at a hamstring that's been going on. Um, the Mims kid uh, on the offensive line won't be back for a few weeks. So Georgia's had some problems, uh, frankly, uh, that that have been that have played them throughout uh, this year too. Now they still will probably go undefeated. I don't think Kentucky will beat them, but Kentucky. I give Mark Stoops credit. He probably deserves a statue right now of him outside the stadium. He's got Devin Leary, who's only completing about 59% of his passes. Barry and Brown's a really good freshman, and we just saw for now, uh, kick returner and wide receiver. Ray Davis from Vanderbilt speaks for itself. He probably got the Heisman Trophy race, too. So I, I can see Georgia winning. It may be even a pretty close game. Um, I, I, Mark Soups, I believe, is 0-10 uh, against um, Georgia. So that's been a thorn in his flesh. But I tell you what, Kentucky getting better. And it, it, we, we wonder who that second place in the East may be, Bubba. It may be Kentucky. Yeah. Now you, I mentioned the 329 that they ran for against the Gators. You referenced on what I was bringing up next as far as Devin Leary um, that – if they're going to have any shot in this game, then he, he has to play play better than he's played thus far. Oh, oh there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's not even hitting 60% of his passes. That doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback, and I think he is as he came from North Carolina. But, uh, but look, Kentucky's going to give teams a lot of problems. And if you're an Alabama fan, uh, you have to think about this minute. They've got a week off after Tennessee – they play LSU, and then the next week they go to Kentucky. And, and Bubba, that may be a real hard game for Alabama uh, from the mental standpoint with all the eggs I have in, in that LSU basket. So uh, we we will see, but um, uh, it, it, at this point, uh, this Kent team, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure Kentucky this year is not what we thought they would be last year, Bubba. I agree. Uh, and speaking of Missouri, uh, you reference you reference the Tigers, five and zero. That sixty one yard field goal to beat K State, and so Brady Cook and, and company. You know they see how LSU struggling defensively. Um, that, that's an intriguing matchup this weekend. Well, there's no doubt about that. Um, and Missouri five and zero. Really the. Second year in a row for Eli Drinkwith. They've been five, five and old. Brady Cook, uh, I think he has played uh, well uh, all the way. Their offense is much better uh, this year. Schrader running back has really been good. Boy, the Burden kid's worth the price of admission. I can tell you that, B-U-R-D-E-N, he has been a burden for the opposition's defense. <laughs> Pardon the play on words. Uh, their defense is better. 
or it's been it's been better the last two years, Bubba. But Elon Drinkwith at Media Day said, "Well, um, we have got uh, to get someone in here here to call plays. I'm not doing a good job, and uh, they have done that, and their their offense is rolling along. So, really nice season so far for Missouri." And it's going to be very fascinating to see how far they can go. And LSU may, may be a real problem for them in some ways, in some ways or not. Bubba, did you ever think we would see the LSU pass defense 130 in the nation? 130? Are you kidding me? Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's unbelievable. Jalen Daniels has been fine. Uh, quarterback, he's among the leaders. I mean, he, here's the thing. LSU is in the top 10 to pass offense and 130 in pass defense. So that's been very difficult for them. Uh, Ole Miss just really shredded them uh, in a lot of ways too. So, and and we got to cover the Florida State LSU game uh, and really thought LSU was going to be much better than what they have been. But two difficult losses now for the Tigers and not sure how they can rebound the rest of the year. And as you take a look um, at Luther Burden, you talk about, you know, what a unbelievable player he is. 43 receptions, 644 yards, and five touchdowns in uh, the Tigers' first five games. Uh, you know, he has anywhere from 96 receiving yards to 177 yards. So, so definitely uh, check that one out uh, between as the as the Tigers do battle with the Tigers there in Columbia. Um Shifting over to the to the west um, from that in, inner uh, or intra-divisional matchup there uh, between LSU and Missouri, uh, you have in the west Alabama traveling to Kyle Field. Um, didn't go too well for the Tide a couple years ago. You know how do you see this one um, in what is a much improved Aggies team that goes without saying? Uh, yeah, it really has. Max Johnson, the backup quarterback, Connor Weekman. Uh, has really played well. Um, Anaya Smith is another guy Alabama's going to be careful about. Veteran player returned a kick uh, uh, last week uh, in the win over Arkansas. Um, I mean, man, they've got wide receivers at the wazoo. Uh, frankly, at at A&M, Moose Muhammad uh, is is dangerous. Uh, also, uh, but what the difference for A&M has been, uh, the defensive line, Walter Nolan and company, all these guys, five-star products, uh, have really come on for A&M. Uh, they played really well. Uh, and I don't know if Alabama can block them with the offensive line. Bama's offensive line. It's been hot and cold. They've certainly improved uh, as they did last week against Mississippi State, but I don't know if they can how well they they can deal with A and M. But uh, Jalen Melrose is getting better. Certainly can run the ball. Intermediate passing game a little bit better too. The running backs in Alabama. I, I think they've really got four really good ones and they need to space out some playing time for those guys, particularly Justice Haynes, who's a freshman, 
who, who last week played a little bit, looked tremendous, frankly. Uh, so, but the improvement to me is the Alabama defense uh, under Kevin Steele, who they've, they've done a great job. This defense is much better than it was under Pete Golding, who, who is at Ole Miss. They're able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, they made some big plays on third and fourth and short. Um, it's going to be tough for Bama to win this game. Really good game. But but I will say this, Bubba, if Bama wins this game, I think they very well will run the table to Atlanta. Yeah, quite possible. And, uh, you know, hard to, hard to bet against Coach Saban and, uh, you know, that, that track record there. Um, you, you just have a feeling, even though it's not uh, the way it's looked in recent years or in, in a long time even, perhaps, it's um, – you have a feeling that they're going to find a way to get it done, uh, kind of like last or well, a couple weekends ago against Ole Miss, uh, following that kind of a near miss or close call uh, in Tampa against South Florida, which was totally out of left field. Yeah. But um, you know, as you take a look in the West, uh, you have Ole Miss who bounced back with that big win against LSU, what nearly fourteen hundred yards of offense. And they are going to be taking on Arkansas. And what a gauntlet it's been of late for the Razorbacks. Um, played LSU very well uh, down at Tiger Stadium and um, came up short there. And then last weekend uh, came up short against the Aggies there at Jerry's World. They should have uh, beat um, or, or won against LSU. Um, that, that K.J. Jefferson's really playing well. Rocket Sanders is back, and they need him back badly. Uh, and, and look, uh, and they've got Alabama next week. Mer- merciful heavens! I hope Sam Pittman is not fired. Uh, I, I think he's a good fit for Arkansas. He needs more time. And, and Bubba, the reality is, in that Western Division, I mean, good grief, somebody's got to lose. And 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 uh, I'm not saying it might as well be Arkansas necessarily, but people need to be more patient. Uh, with where they are, and uh, they've got to get better defensively. Got to get better uh, on the uh, uh, offensive line, uh, also. So yeah, no, no, I'm with you. Uh, few few teams have gone through the ringer like Arkansas has on their schedule. Shifting back to the East Division, um, you talked about how you could definitely see Kentucky finishing second in the East. Another team um, that's right there and obviously hopes to to push Georgia and and win the division. Um, A team that suffered an early season setback down in the swamp, as has often been the case for Tennessee. Um, They um, got a little bounce back win against South Carolina after what the Gamecocks did to them in Columbia last year, uh, lighting them up um, for over 60 points and uh, took care of the Gamecocks in fairly convincing fashion. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about the Vols and and, uh, and what they have going on? Uh, some improvement. Uh, they uh, demolished South Carolina. Frankly, where they where they have really improved is defensively, where they are among the leaders in sacks and tackles for loss. Um, uh, Brew McCoy being out, Bubba was awful for them a tremendous wide receiver transfer from Southern Cal. Uh, he was just in the prime of, of uh, the season and uh, basically has an ankle injury and he's out for the year. So who's going to step up and replace him? Maybe 
somebody like Squirrel White. But I tell you one thing: uh, Tennessee's able to also run the ball, uh, so they've done well with that. But Tennessee's got some tough games uh, that are coming up uh, over the next few weeks too. They they've got Bama coming up in Tuscaloosa, and believe me, Alabama circled the calendar for that one. Uh, so, but I just don't think that Tennessee's going to end up second, Bubba. Uh, I just think there is something going on uh, that that, that team is just not quite right. Uh, Mays is back at center. That's huge for them. He's rarely played this year, and they need him back. So, uh, I mean, look, it's going to be a good, pretty good season. Uh, I think they'll win eight or nine games. But I, but I don't think it's, it's going to be the hand-turning season they had last year. Shifting over to the ACC, uh, obviously I know your focus is the SEC, but you also you know keep tabs on the Atlantic Coast Conference. And um, you know who would have thought in the in the month of September that you would see the Clemson Tigers drop a pair of conference games? Um, obviously the opener at Duke, and then that game that they. Um, very well could have won and perhaps should have won against Florida State where they let that one slip in Death Valley. Uh, just, I think, the third time they've lost there in, what, 55 or 60 games. But uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on that league? Uh, obviously, the Mike Norvell and um, the, the story that, and, you know, what he is doing in Tallahassee, that continues to uh, rise to the forefront um, because, you know, so many folks – uh, you know, wanted to uh, go ahead and make another coaching change, kind of like you referenced with Coach Napier. Um, they weren't seeing the fruits of the labor, and then it wasn't uh, happening as quickly as we want, which it never does, hardly. But um, you see Mike Norvell really has it rolling now. They stuck with him, and, and it really paid off. He's done a great job in transfers. Look, Keon Coleman, who caught the winning pass against Clemson, in overtime, maybe the best uh, transfer that there there is, uh, frankly, at this point. So the Wilson kid, all six, seven of him, still continues to play well. But Jordan Davis has been the straw that stirs the drink, isn't it, uh, Bubba? They, uh, that this kid is Heisman Trophy possibility. Um, the offensive line for Florida State led the nation in starts. Um, so they are more experienced, uh, and they've got Jared Verse, for instance, on the D line has been good. Um, and that look, they played real well. Their two big wins over LSU and Clemson, uh, especially exorcising the demon for Clemson, uh, was very important because they had not been Clemson's like 2014. Uh, so and they've, they've got an easy win over Virginia Tech. They've got Duke coming up. But the game we're all looking at, and and very possibly, Bubba, is the Miami game. Uh, Miami comes to Tallahassee on November the 11th. Man, that's going to be a great game in in a lot of ways. Tyler Van Dyke's played well for Miami. Uh, They've had some um, uh, also transfers come in, and that's helped them a good bit too. I don't think. Miami is as good as FSU. I think FSU's been battle-tested a little bit more. But I'll tell you, it's a fun league right now. I mean, Duke losing to Notre Dame, or they'd have been undefeated. Uh, but but I'll give you a team to look out for. It's Louisville. Jeff Brom, man alive, when he gets his 
talent there. What in the world are they going to be? Uh, they've got a big game this weekend that they may even win. So, um, uh, and, and, you know, North Carolina's got Drake May that they played pretty well. Also, he's got Drake May. He's going to play well. Uh, so uh, it's a uh, – we're glad to see it. The expansion talk hasn't died down, believe me. But uh, the reality is um, uh, the, the ACC, like the Pac-12, is a fascinating, fascinating league this year that's doing very well. It is. Um, I know you heard the tail end of my conversation with Brian Howe and Colorado Buffalo's beat writer uh, for the Buff Zone and then also the Daily Camera there in Boulder. And I brought that up just when I said you have a league like the Pac-12, so much tradition um, and that's going away. And, you know, what are the odds, you know, you see a, a year like they're currently having when they're going to cease to exist, it, it appears. Well, it's pitiful, really. I'm sad to see it. Um, the other conferences have taken real advantage of this. I mean, Bo Nix has really grown up in Oregon, and, and they're just on fire. Um, uh, the uh, Southern Cal with the Caleb Williams is one thing. Southern, above the problem is, I don't know what the deal is. They either cannot or will not play defense at Southern Cal. They won't really recruit for it. And they, and they need to get better uh, on that side of the ball. Alex Grinch has just not worked. And, and I wonder where that's going. But I think they still can – they think they're going to outscore everybody. I love Washington and Michael Penix and what he's done. Uh, it is a lot of fun to watch. I know they lost, but they've got to get Cam Rising back, meaning Utah. Utah's really good. I still won't be surprised – if Rising comes back, that they don't win that league. That's a tough team. They're very physical. They're they're hard to beat. Uh, all in all, uh, but yeah, but but it, yes, it's a shame that that one of the best years in Pac-12 history uh, will go by the wayside after they all break up next year. And Brent, uh, one of the final things I have for you is. Obviously, we were also discussing the coach prime effect uh, as it as it pertains to Colorado and just the ridiculous numbers of viewers and that they have on their games. Uh, average of eight and a half million per game through their first five, and they have five of the top eight most viewed games in college football thus far. And uh, I knew it was going to be extreme, but I think it I don't know it may even be more extreme than than I thought. Uh, just think when he has some real talent there. Uh, now, Sanders is really good as son. Travis Hunter is, too. Hopefully, he'll be back soon after that vicious hit against Colorado State. But, uh, uh, look, and there are a lot of people pulling against them. They're tired of the hot, of the hype. But Dion knows how to attract talent, and he'll do that. And, obviously, they're moving conferences. Um, so, that's going to be fascinating to see. But, uh, oh, yeah, they've been one of the real surprise stories. But they just don't have the depth, Bubba, uh, that, that they need. There's only so far they're going to go. Uh, and but, but realistically, I mean, if they're even five and seven or six and six, uh, it, it, no doubt the deal will get some coach of the year votes. And that's the thing, uh, like you're saying, um, because, you know, some folks, you know, have so much, you know, kind of 
pent up anger or however you want to express it because of uh, the hype and when, when they do get throttled like they did by Oregon or uh, lose to USC and you know just lose a game period, uh, you, you forget almost uh, you know where, where they came from. With I understand it's a completely different roster, but that I mean to to bring that many new bodies together and to uh, if they go from one and eleven to six and six or or seven and five and go to a bowl game, uh, that, that's remarkable. It is. It is. I, I'd love. I'd like to see it. I think a lot of people would too. I, look, even if they're five and seven, Bubba, uh, I, I, I'm not so sure because of the people they would bring and the numbers they bring with TV uh, that that the bowl people wouldn't find a way to get them in. And Brent, uh, kind of along these same lines, I know uh, before Auburn sealed the deal with Hugh Freeze, and it seemed like um, that that's where that that search. You know, or not even so much a search, perhaps. I mean, it seemed like Q Freeze was Auburn's man all along, but yeah. you heard Deion Sanders' name at least mentioned uh, with that job. You know, do you, how long do you see Deion staying in Boulder, or do you think someone like that uh, in the SEC may come calling and, and, you know, he may come back to the South? Well, it really does make you wonder. Um, at, now, he may build Colorado into a, into a much better job. But uh, I look, he will have there, there are a lot of ADs who'd love to have that kind of attention on him. I mean, I mean, what he's getting is almost Taylor Swift attention, frankly. Um, so um, I, I think that's very possible. Not sure where the where, where he would necessarily fit in in the league, but it'd be fascinating to have him in there. Uh, so he's one to watch and. Um, uh, but I, I think he'll be there probably another year. He'll certainly be there through the time that his son leaves, but, uh, all in all, I, I do understand, uh, why they are the story that they are. And I know earlier you referenced on some of the happenings around college football, um, and just in other conferences, um, with the big 10, obviously Michigan, you know what what they've done the last couple of years back to back playoff appearances undefeated thus far so uh, as you take a look at Jim Harbaugh's club also James Franklin at um, at Penn State and then of course uh, Ryan Day and the Buckeyes um, do you do you really think uh, or who do you like to win the Big 10 uh, which which of those 3 do you think it will be well i, I mean at this point I, it's still probably between Ohio State and Michigan the winner of that will probably decide Listen, even Maryland's having a great year. Uh, you know, uh, Tua's brother, Talia, is done a pretty good job as quarterback at Maryland. I mean, I I don't think that they're going to beat any of the heavyweights uh, that you just mentioned. Penn State's having a tremendous year because they've got tremendous talent. Do not overlook Ohio State, uh, especially with that wide receiver room, uh, Morrison, uh, Harrison, Morgan Harrison, the uh, junior and uh, the, who they've got in there uh, because Ohio State's always going to be good, and they are again for Ryan Day. But uh, I, I would I would still go with probably the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, but again, you know, uh, some of these leagues are getting rid of divisions, and we may have some matchups in the championship games. Well, Brent, 
really appreciate you spending a half hour with us. Always enjoy talking college football with you before we let you run. You know, tell folks how they can hear your work, and whether it's on your podcast or otherwise. Uh, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D, uh, First Coast News on YouTube. Uh, I'm the college football analyst for them. Uh, and also Second Helpings with Travis Ryer. Travis is a senior analyst at BOL um, and has done a great job with them over the years. Um, knows football like few people do. Uh, but one of the things I try to do on my tr- Twitter feed is I update it several times a day. So if you're at work and you can't really find out what's happening, uh, you can tune in uh, on and check out my Twitter feed and see stories like the uh, transfer portal being limited to 45 days um, and things like that that you probably nor- normally wouldn't get to see or, or wouldn't know where to look. So uh, glad to. Glad to help, Bubba. Good to be back with you, my friend. And uh, uh, we're we're basically at the halfway point, which I can't believe. Yeah, you wait forever for it to get here, and now it's yeah. uh, like like you say, it's uh, it's almost halfway gone. But um, again, really appreciate the time, and we look forward to having you back on uh, during the month of November. Good, Bubba. Thank you, Bud. Take care. Okay. All right. Take care, Brent. That is Brent Beard, um, as he said on the Second Helping Podcast, an excellent listen uh, for those who love following the SEC. I uh, really appreciate him spending a half hour with us this evening. Uh, also, again, appreciate Brian Howe of the Colorado Buffaloes uh, network of writers. and You have him covering the Buffs. Uh, he's their beat writer or one of their beat writers for Buff Zone and then also um, the local publication the daily camera there in boulder colorado but uh, for everyone here at the sports objective i'm bubba rosenbaum you've been watching listening to the inside slant on the sports objective Uh, we'll talk to you soon and uh, have a great one everyone take care